My dear friends, good morning. What a joy it is to see you all here and to be able to worship with you here at C2, where we get to worship the Lord in so many wonderful ways. I welcome you if you're new here or if it's your 500th time here. We're so glad that you could be here this morning uh, to join us and each other in in worship and in love. Uh, We're very, very, very grateful to be here uh, in a place that, uh, by the grace of God, all are welcome All are affirmed and all are loved. It's a beautiful day that the Lord has made for us here this morning. It's a little bit bittersweet today, as many of you know. Uh, We are celebrating uh, Reverend Dave and Reverend Elizabeth's ministries here at the church as this will be their last Sunday here as they venture on to their new calls. So after service today, they are going to try to get in here to say goodbye, to do a quick benediction, but we will also be having a celebration for them in the courtyard. Um, So please, if you get the chance, make sure you get to um, wish them luck on their way. It was also very important for Reverend Dave, who will be preaching today, that his parting message be about God's love. So that is going to be a lot about what we're talking about today, is how God loves us unconditionally, always, and without fail. There's nothing we can do to barter or to get more of God's love. God always loves us and is always, always looking out for us. And why don't we start our worship this morning, if you would like to, and if you're willing and you're able, please stand because we are here, we are blessed because of God's love. So amazing 
Will you join me in a moment of prayer? Gracious and loving God, we thank you so much for allowing your love to enter this place and be with us. We are so grateful for that, Lord. We also are aware, Lord, that there are folks out there right now that are terrified, that are scared, that are worried, that are in pain, and they need now more than ever, Lord, your love to shine down upon them. Help us to be your ambassadors of that love, Lord. Help us to show by example. Help them to know a measure of peace in this difficult, difficult, difficult time. And please help us to remember, Lord, that through the ups, through the downs, even through the darkest hour, Lord, you are always good. In your name we pray. Amen.
My friends, in a time when we are so much in need of peace, let us remember that there is no peace greater than the peace of Christ. And let us now take a moment to greet each other, to share that peace of Christ with each other, and hope that it finds its way halfway around the world. Peace be with you. Friends, our program year is in full, full swing right now. I encourage you, as you are still sharing the peace and saying hello to each other and spreading beautiful joy, uh, to take a look at all the things that are going on here at the church. I will not lift all of them up because there are just too many, uh, but we do have a couple. Uh, Obviously, I mentioned that we will be celebrating Dave and Elizabeth in the courtyard right after the service. We also have Jazz Vespers this evening. Uh, our youth group, our high school youth group, will be on the water today doing some island cleaning, cleanup, and having some fun. That's from two o'clock to five o'clock. Uh, we have our boo bash next Saturday, which is for the entire community, all ages, from ten to twelve o'clock. Just so many things going on, folks. I really encourage you to take a look. I'll lose my voice if I go all the way through them. Uh, but if you would like to support the programs and the missions of the church. Uh, I also invite you to um, check the generosity baskets uh, in the back by the door there. That's how we support all our programs and our missions of the church. So we appreciate you so much for that. So moving into our scripture for today. As I mentioned, Dave will be preaching on love, and this is one of his favorite scriptures. Uh, It is Paul's letter to the Ephesians, and Paul is trying to help them understand the magnitude of of what God loves me means. Let's hear the word of the Lord for today. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, for whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him whom by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine, To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In this bittersweet season of leaving, I wrestle with the question, what does one say their last time in a pulpit with a congregation? We don't go through all the things that we've shared together because if I do, I'll start crying and then my makeup will run and, you know. And I'm not going to try to say everything I wanted to say for the last seven years but didn't because... That's what Moses did, and then we end up with Deuteronomy. And, and <laughs> what you do is you preach the gospel, which has been my objective every time I've stood in this pulpit. 
And the gospel message is simply this. God, the infinite one, loves you infinitely. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, I give you thanks today. I give you thanks for a beautiful day. I give you thanks for the church in Ephesus that was the inspiration for our text today. I give you thanks for this church and all that we have been through. I pray that your spirit would be with us. I pray that my words would be faithful to you and to your word. Amen. So infinity. As a child, we sometimes said, you want to see infinity? And then we would take a mirror and hold it up to the bathroom mirror. And we'd peer over the top into this endless corridor of reflections that appeared to go on forever. It seemed infinite. Infinite was the biggest amount we could imagine if we could even say that we imagined it, because when we talk about having more of things, I want more baseball cards, I want more M&Ms, I want more days before school starts in the fall. So on that Labor Day weekend, I wish I had 10 more days before school started. And then another would say, well, I wish I had 100 more days before school started. And I wish I had 1,000 more. And on we went, you know, a million, a gazillion and then someone played the infinity card. I wish I had infinity more days. Nothing can be more than that, except infinity plus one, and then we start all over. So I'm here today to remind us all that God loves us infinity plus one. And if we humans really believe that, if we could trust that, then I could just say amen and we could go have cake. But we don't really believe it. Not deep down, not all the time, not fully, not enough. Because if we did, we wouldn't be so anxious. We wouldn't be so impatient, so cynical, so angry. So you can fill in your own words. And frankly, this is not completely our fault. Because if God's love is infinite, how do you know that which is unknowable? How do you fathom the unfathomable? Imagine the unimaginable. Grasp infinity or infinity plus one. How do people who use pictures and words like we do to understand the world describe the one who is beyond description? We don't, and we can't. And so we settle oftentimes for metaphors and analogies, affirming that God is father or king or an eagle that soars or a warrior with a strong right arm or a mother hen who gathers in her chicks. Theologian Robert Capon wrote that word pictures like these are the best we can do, and so we have to use them. But he warned that they carry with them some significant hazards. For one, they don't and they can't do God justice. God is far more than father. God is mother. God is far more than king. God is also lover. God is far more than any words we could use. 
which is just one reason the Hebrew scriptures forbid making any type of image of God or saying God's name. But second, we tend to describe God in terms that affirm our own cultural biases. In a patriarchal culture, God is male. In a military culture, God is a warrior. In a culture of of migrant shepherds, God tends flocks. In an urban culture, God is a merchant. Images like these not only diminish God, but they end up being used to revere elements of our own culture. But then finally, and maybe perhaps most insidious, when we ascribe these descriptions and characteristics to God, we run the risk of confusing describing something with knowing it. When knowing about something is very different than really knowing it. Some of you know that last year Elizabeth and I took sailing classes and and is typical of our styles, I read all the books, I took all the practice tests in the back, while she read novels and anything but a sailing book. So I read that you should never try to jump from your boat to the dock, and I bet I got that question right on the test. So that day when we were pulling into our slip and Elizabeth was at the helm and my job was simply to tie us off on the dock, We were so close, (laughs) but not close enough to step across. And I thought if I could just jump a little bit, I'd be right there and could get us squared away. Thankfully, I didn't have my phone in my pocket. (laughs) And I did have a change of clothes in the car because now I really know that you should never jump from your boat to the dock because it's simply an invitation to go for a swim. And folks, just because we call God a shepherd doesn't mean we really believe that God will care for us the way a shepherd tends their sheep. Just because we say Jesus is Lord doesn't mean that Jesus has any real authority in our lives. Just because we can say that God is love doesn't mean that we live as people who really believe that we are lovable enough that God could actually love us infinity plus one. And I know there's plenty of folks out there who think all this love talk is soft or even weak, but anyone who has loved someone with an addiction or loved someone who's incarcerated or loved someone who is dying, they know the incredible strength that love will require of us. Anyone who is loved by mentoring a child or walking with someone who's recovering from abuse knows the incredible power that love has to heal people or to transform lives. Love is not weak, folks. It is powerful. And there's those who think that love is fine for the family room or the bedroom, but has no place in the boardroom or the classroom or in the doctor's office or in the Oval Office. But I maintain that we can tell right away when someone cares for more than themselves. And I maintain that the most self-centered decisions are made by those who don't know or can't believe that they are loved. Infinity plus one. 
And not knowing that we're loved by God has real consequences. People who don't know that they're loved build walls and amass weapons, but don't feel safe. They spend thousands of dollars on their appearance, but still can't believe they are lovable. They fill bank accounts and portfolios, but still worry about the future. We do all manner of things, even good things, to convince ourselves that we're respectable people, but still wonder if we measure up. When love comes to town, it's the name of my favorite U2 song. You guys in the C, uh, C2 band, you know I request it pretty much every week. Um, I was there when they crucified my Lord, they sing. I held the scabbard when the soldiers drew his sword. I threw the dice when they pierced his side, but I've seen love conquer the great divide. Because when love comes to town, I'm going to catch that train. When love comes to town, I'm going to catch that flame. I did, maybe I was wrong to ever let you down, but I did what I did before love came to town. See, we can coerce good behavior, but we can't coerce love. We can scare people into good behavior with a threat of hell, but we can't scare people into loving us. We can buy good behavior with rewards, but we can't buy love. Until we catch that love train or are lit up with that love flame, the song suggests we're capable and maybe even likely to do enough things that we will really regret. And the irony and the tragedy of all this is God loves us infinity plus one, whether we do good things or bad. We waste billions of dollars and countless hours trying to acquire what we already have. The author of today's text knows this and is concerned that the church in Ephesus would know it deep in their bones. For them, the divide between Jews and Gentiles in the church was profound, every bit as big, maybe greater than the rift between Republicans and Democrats today. So his prayer expresses his belief that if only they knew the depth of God's love for them, if only they could comprehend God's wide embrace for all people, if only they could experience the power of God's love, they would see love conquer the great divide. They would fully be the body of Christ, equipped to carry on Jesus' ministry in the world. Today's text is a prayer, and it prays for two broad things for the readers in Ephesus and for those of us who read it today. First, that having Christ alive in our hearts would root and ground us in love that would leave us strong in God's spirit. And then second, that we could comprehend somehow the bigness of God, the magnitude of God's love that we experience through Christ, because if we could, we'd be filled with all the fullness of God, it says. And that's my prayer for community church that we would be rooted and grounded in the unfathomable infinity plus one love of God and that we would be filled with the incomprehensible fullness of God. In a forest and throughout the plant world, I'm told, the indispensable work of roots 
occurs mostly out of sight. Roots gather in nutrients from the soil to nourish the plant so it can flower and bear fruit. Roots anchor the plant in the ground so it can survive wind and rain. And not only that, roots can intertwine so that trees can hold each other up, standing together, making sure that the forest endures. And just recently, foresters have discovered what they call mycorrhizal network of tiny threads that connect the roots of trees together allowing them to transfer water and nitrogen and carbon and other minerals to one another. In this way, even the smaller trees that grow below the canopy are able to thrive without direct sunlight. It's this underground network that communicates and shares what is needed most. Imagine being rooted in the love of God, such that we are our roots are interconnected like trees in a forest. The love of God would nourish us and could be shared among us so that we all have what we need to grow and be fruitful. The love of God and our interconnected love for each other would share the life-giving light when the, when the uh, sun shines brightly, and then it would hold us up when the storms come, when the wind blows and the rain falls. Imagine a church standing together for what is good and right, no matter how difficult it is or how risky it feels. Imagine a community of love in which everyone felt like they belonged and were needed. That's the power of infinity plus one love. At first reading, it might seem like being rooted and being grounded both refer to roots being anchored in the ground, but the word that they use for grounded here actually suggests a foundation on which a home or another structure might be built. Without a solid foundation, a building won't stand up to the elements. Without a solid foundation, an argument won't stand up to critique. Without a solid foundation, a sailor can't jump from the boat to... Oh, I told that story already. (laughs) In this text, the author speaks of love as a foundation strong enough on which we can build our life. Without love, our accomplishments will likely feel empty. Without love, our money serves no useful purpose other than keeping score. Without love, we are wasting, maybe even worse, killing time. But when life is founded on the infinite, the infinite plus one love of God, we gain courage to stand for what is right. We have compassion for those whose life has taken a turn for the worse. We can risk a creative solution to a problem without fearing failure. When life is founded on love, God's love, we really believe it and we trust it. The possibilities for our life are endless. Dare we say infinite plus one. The other part of this prayer that I wish for you is from verses 18 and 19. That you could comprehend or even just get a glimpse of how big and wide and all-encompassing and infinite God's love really is, and that you would recognize the tangible form of it in the life that Jesus lived among uh, us here on earth. Because the author claims just getting a taste of it will blow our minds, will 
rip our hearts open wide, will cast out our fears, will embolden our actions. And I know that most of you, maybe all of you, have gotten that taste of God's goodness and love. At some point in your life, you've had a glimpse of beauty in the world that stopped you in your tracks. You've gotten a little peek behind the curtain um, that, that convinced you that there's more going on than meets the eye. You've experienced a peace in the midst of chaos that you just couldn't explain. Your eyes have filled with tears of gratitude when a relationship that was completely lost is finally restored. You've tasted infinity plus one love. I know you have. And once we've tasted it, we want more. Of course, the only way to get more is to give more. It's the crazy paradox of love that the more you give away, the more you have. And if your mind isn't blown by that, Paul wrote that when all this happens, when we in the church get that taste of God and recognize in it the sacrificial love of Christ, then we are filled with all the fullness of God, it says. And we might see that as a nice phrase, a nice thing to say, but what we don't see is this is an expression that is usually reserved for Christ, in whom, it says in the book of Colossians, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. But here it says that in the church, the fullness of God can dwell. And it's easy to miss here that the you in this passage is plural, not singular, meaning the fullness of God resides in a company of those who recognize and trust that they are loved by God and not just loved in a, wow, that's kind of nice way, but loved infinity plus one. And this means that when we get a glimpse of the immensity of God and get a taste of the amazing love of Christ, the church really will be filled with all the fullness of God and be Christ's resurrected body right here in Vero Beach, feeding the hungry, healing the sick, casting out demons of fear, and loving the ones that other people think are unworthy or unlovable. If just for a moment... We fathom the unfathomable. We comprehend the incomprehensible. We know the unknowable. We receive the infinity plus one love of God. Then we as individuals, we as a church, are filled with all the fullness of God, who it says in 1 John, is love. There's a plaque here in the pulpit. And as we walk up, we all see it. It says, Sir, Madam, we wish to see Jesus. For more than seven years, I've read that as a reminder that my responsibility as a preacher is to use this time and place that you have been so generous to give. It's to be used to tell the good news of Jesus Christ. And I've done my best to be faithful to that charge. But today, in light of this text and the love of Christ that finds us, claims us, and fills us with the fullness of God, I look out over you and I realize that you, who are the community church of Vero Beach, you are filled with the fullness of Christ. You are the body of Christ. So I'm the one standing here seeing Jesus in you. And that's a great gift. And I thank you for that. Amen.
the story is my fingerprint in the valley there is confidence in the shadows I will be your strength what things for sure I Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Uh, I invite you to begin our prayer, uh, final prayer today, folks, by taking a moment to think of the folks who are, are weighing heavy on your heart, 
who are in need of some extra of God's love, of God's grace, and of God's joy. Feel free to lift those names up in silence if you like. Feel free to lift them up out loud. Let's pray together. Gracious and loving and wonderful God, we offer these prayers up to you in a time where we are showered and we feel your love so strongly, and yet we feel so helpless. We ask this morning, Lord, that you forgive us for the unkindnesses that we do. Please forgive us, Lord, for sometimes not remembering what you have asked us to be. Please be that reminder here this morning, Lord, to love you above all else and to love each other. We ask this morning, Lord, that you allow us not only to listen to the words of Paul, but to hear them, not just to listen to the words of our pastors as they tell us wonderful things, but to hear them. We ask that you help us put our faith into action. Help us to be the model that others need to see to know how great and grand and infinite your love is to all of us. We ask, Lord, that you also help watch over us as a church. Help to guide us through transition. Help us to trust. Help us to know that you, as always, will show us the way, and all we have to do is follow. Help us to have wisdom. Help us to be able to see your light as it guides our way. We ask all these things, Lord, in the name of Jesus the Christ, who taught us to pray this prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
wasn't sure if they were going to make it. I think I am going to wait for just a second, and hopefully they can make it out of here to give you their benediction, because I think it would be a really lovely thing to do. Uh, But I just want you all to know, in the meantime, I don't think Dave could have said it any better himself. Uh, Love is not weak, friends. It is one of the strongest things that we can do. And I love you all very, very, very much. But wait, there's more. <laughs> I was just going to go over the sermon again, just in case you weren't paying attention. You guys got time, right? There should be enough cake. It is our privilege. We didn't get to be in here enough, but we love you so much. And we want just to say, as you go from worship, go knowing how much God loves you. It's not so important how much we love you, but you know that God loves you more than you could imagine. And that God is working in each of you and in this church that we become Christ in our world. So go as the people of God, equipped and filled with love, with peace to share. Infinity plus one. You know, I love it when somebody, just one person, was paying attention. Go in peace. Do you want to say your, no, say your.
go from this place knowing that by the providence of God, you were born. And by God's grace, you were kept all the day long. And by God's love for you revealed through Jesus Christ, you are redeemed. Go in peace. Amen. Thank you.